0: and it is coming down hard with snow. So uh, let's let's keep those that are coming to church in prayer and uh, send some traveling mercies for them, amen? All right. Uh, why don't we all stand up before we begin? All right. So you know how we start off church, right? So I'm going to ask my brother, Joby, Joby Bonilla, the man of the hour, to come and just share a quick testimony of what God has been doing in his life. So please give a warm welcome to Joby as he comes forth.
1: Hi. Uh, over the weekend, I went to uh, New Orleans for Mardi Gras with my Woo! school, SUM. And uh, we were just preaching the gospel. It was uh, really powerful. And uh, man, there were so many testimonies. A lot of people got saved. Uh, so many things happened, uh, not just in uh, that I experienced, but what other people experienced. And uh, one of the things that happened to me that I want to pick out that might encourage a lot of you uh, was this one conversation I had with, uh, with one man. Uh, over there, there's a lot of stuff going on. People are partying, people are drinking. They're just doing as much as they can before, you know, they repent on Ash Wednesday or something like that. That's the thing, I think. And uh, there are some people, they were selling t-shirts that just had so much profanity. So first day out of there, I tried preaching to one of them. He said no. Thir- I think it was the second day. I uh, tried preaching to him again, and one guy, he was like, "Okay, I'll listen." And the guy he turned out to be, uh, turned out to be Muslim. He was an African American man, and he just thought uh, the Quran was right and the Bible was full of lies. So I was preaching to him. I was preaching to him, and he kept talking about all these things that really didn't make, uh, really didn't matter at the end. And I told him, "I'm like, bro, where would you spend eternity if you died? Because according to the Quran, you really don't know. But Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died." for you to know you know he died for that so you could spend eternal eternity with him and uh, i told him think about that reflect on that and he uh and i had to go so i left him with that and the next day my partner ran into him and he uh was talking to him and like 20 20 seconds of the conversation he's like man i slept on what you told me and i want to become christian i want to give my life to jesus so man it was really powerful and uh Hearing that, it, it made me think of this is something that uh, was really on my mind for, like, the uh, the last month. It's 1 uh, Corinthians uh, 3, uh, 5, and 6. Uh, what, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Oh, and uh, I just want to encourage you guys with that. Whether you're in your work, uh, whether you're working and you're preaching to your coworker or a friend or a family member, you know, keep telling them about Jesus. Keep witnessing to them. Uh, keep being faithful and do trust me. Things will happen because God is working in their lives. So uh, I'm just gonna pray and yeah, Lord, I just thank you for this time, God. I thank you for just always working in people's lives, Lord, for uh, just, Father God, just giving us the love that you uh, you gave us, Lord, Father God, when you died on the cross, God, I thank you for just loving us, Lord, ministering through us, uh, to us, through your Holy Spirit, I praise you, God, and uh, I pray that you be glorified today, in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen, hallelujah. All right, everyone put your hands Coming on the winds, changing hearts and minds, healing brokenness. I feel a generation breaking through despair. I hear a generation full of faith declare. And I song, it will be out of the darkness out of the darkness we will rise and sing that he is faithful down. Oh filled with the power of Christ and our song it will be out of the darkness we will rise and sing that he is faithful and he is glorious and he is Jesus joy, love, and peace, and life, yes. he has paid the highest price, and he has paid the highest price. Prize and he has proven his great love for us, and we will praise him with our lives and proclaim our. Praise him with our lives, and proclaim our love for him. And proclaim our love for him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are a generation, God, that is growing tired, Sick and tired of letting the devil push us around. Sick and tired of letting the devil tell us who we are. Sick and tired of the devil messing with our minds, telling us that we're no good and that we're defeated and we're always gonna be the way that we've always been and there's no hope for us and there's no future because the world is wicked and it's just getting worse. And the violence is here and it's here to stay. God, I rebuke those lies of the devil because we are a generation that is alive, God. We are alive in Christ, God. We are no longer defeated, but you have won the victory. We are a generation that says no to the devil and we say yes to you, yes to your decrees, yes to your commands, yes to your love, yes to your laws, God. And living a life without despair, but being whole. Knowing that we are children of the living God. We are not hopeless, we are hopeful. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just sing that chorus again. He has paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. And we will praise him with our lives. And proclaim our love for him. Or just proclaim your love for him today, church. Oh, yes, Lord God. Lord, we come before you, God. Father to the fatherless, defender of the weak, freedom for the prisoners, we sing. Father to the fatherless. Father to the fatherless, defender of the weak, freedom for the prisoners, we sing. That this is God in his holy place, this is God in love and strength Sing out, lift your voice and cry out How awesome is our strong God Mighty is our God Sing out, lift your hands and shout out how awesome is our strong God? Mighty is our God with us. With us in the wilderness, faithful to provide. Every breath and every step we. You're with us in the wilderness, faithful to provide every breath and every step we see. This is God, that this is God. How awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God. So sing out. Lift your hands and shout out. How awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God. There is none. There is none higher, no. No, there is none greater, no, there is none stronger than our God, sing it out, sing out, lift your voice and cry out, how awesome is Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. I want everybody to shout shout to the Lord, because he is victorious, hallelujah, God. Oh, Jesus, we know that you are God, and that you are stronger than the opposition that we face. You are the God of the universe who is willing, God, to come and know us a little closer, and to charge us to go a little deeper, and to surrender it all. sing out, lift your voice, and cry out, awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Raise your hands and shout out Awesome is our strong God Mighty is our
3: God
2: There is none There is none higher, no There is none greater, no There is none stronger than our God There is none higher, no. There is none greater, no. There is none stronger than our God. Oh, Lord God, we just want to come. God, I pray for those who are here who need to just know what it's like to lay their burdens at your feet, God to repent of their sins so that they can fully enter the the glory of the Lord without hesitation, without shame. Because your promise is that you will forgive us of our sins, wash us clean, and let us enter that throne room of grace. Oh God, we just come before you. Take us into that throne room today, God. Because we want to be patient. The word of the Lord says that we should not be hesitant. We should not be quick to leave the presence of the king. How awesome is it that the king of the universe wants to spend time with us. And he's eager for it. We wait for you, we wait for you, we wait for you, so walk in the room, we wait for you,
0: Just move when right now, Lord Jesus.
2: Speak, we oh, Lord God. When Lord you God, move, meet us where we're
0: at right now, we Lord Jesus. Want
2: more. We want Hallelujah, Lord.
0: Yes, Lord God. We want the fullness, Lord God. We desire you in this place today, Father God. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now, Lord God, if anyone that, that's walked into this place that's feeling weary or, or weak, Lord God, that you would just give them strength, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you, Lord God. We give you all the glory, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen.
0: All right. Hallelujah. All right, guys. Notice that there's a little bit of a change here. Jerry's not doing the gospel presentation, but I am. So if you guys can be uh, seated. All right. Thank you guys for joining us this afternoon. Um, For those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, thank you for making us your church for today. I'm Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Uh, Right now, I'd like to take this opportunity to just preach the gospel to you. Um, If you could look on the screen behind me or even uh, uh, pull out your Bible if you want to follow along. So my text is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here.
3: Yes, Lord.
0: Um, I remember I had a chance to uh, to go to the Volo Auto Museum in Volo, Illinois. Uh, Jerry, we actually we went on a date. We were still dating at the time, and I remember as we were looking at these cars, I was just uh, I was amazed by some of the cars that they had there. I mean, they had cars from uh, from movies, uh, TV shows. And I remember there's a part of the museum where you had all of these um, these ancient cars well, I say ancient but more like older cars like from the 20s from the 1920s 1930s um, there was a Model T Ford there. And I remember um, just looking at these cars as well as the pictures um, that would d- that, um, that would basically tell the story of the car because a lot of those cars were older but yet they were um, they had aged over time. And so you saw the pictures of uh, what the car looked like with all the rust and the corrosion, and then it takes a story of how they became new. You know, they became brand new. I mean, like like it, it had never aged before. And so, you know, just thinking about, you know, this text, you know, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You see, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, when his blood was shed for us, You know, we were granted. He gave us forgiveness of our sins as well as give us new life. And, you know, the old has gone. The new is here. When anyone, anyone who is in Christ Jesus, anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and asks for their forgiveness for our sins, the old life that you had before, that's gone. That's gone. The new is here. And so if you're here for the first time and you're hearing this word, you know, I just want to encourage you, you know, take the time now. We're going to have some prayer workers after I'm done speaking, but I encourage you to just take the time right now to look at your life right now. Look at all of the things that you've done, um, whether you've been, you're a drug addict or if you've been in an abusive relationship or your things are going wrong at home and you have nowhere to turn. Just look at your life right now. And just ask yourself, man, what would happen if my life were to end today, and not knowing Jesus, would I be going to heaven or would I be going to hell? And so I encourage you. Take that time right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait two days from now. But take the time now. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to to be your personal Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, so let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord God, that you have given us new life through you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the death that you died for us, the blood that was shed for us, that you would cleanse us from our sins, and that if anyone believes in you, Lord God, that they would not perish but have everlasting life in you, Lord God. God, I pray that for anyone here today, Lord God, who is hearing this, Lord God. Lord God, let them know of your great love and your mercy, Lord Jesus. And for those who know you already, let it be a reminder of that sacrifice that you made for us, for our sins, that we would continue to love you, to love you more and more each day, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for all you are, Lord God, and everything that you do in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, Carol and Ricky are going to be here. If you guys need prayer, you can come see them. Um, But why don't we stand real quick again? Uh, We're going to confess our uh, confession of faith, recite our confession of faith, sorry. Uh, This is our Christian worldview. This is what we strongly hold on to and every believer across the world. So on the count of three, uh, we're going to recite it together. All right. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God God alone. alone. Amen. Yes, give it up for the Lord, and let's take this time now to fellowship with one another.
4: All right, all right. Who's excited to be at church this afternoon? Come on, give it up for Jesus. Look to your neighbor, give them a high five. Let them know you're happy they're here. We welcome you guys all to Metro Praise International, especially if it's your first time. Keep on coming back. And we always want to encourage you guys to keep inviting your friends and your family, your coworkers, your neighbors. Let's keep blowing up this place with invites and just new faces, amen? Amen. Our service is here at MPI Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That's our family service where we have King's Kids for the children. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. That's our Elevate youth service for students 11 to 18 years old. So they're rocking it out for Jesus. We're so proud of them. God is doing awesome things here at this church. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Somebody say vision. Strategy. And goal, our vision is loving God and loving people. How many of you guys love to love God and love people? Two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. That's our vision here at MPI. And our strategy has three steps. We want to connect you to Jesus, to the church, through our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out. To do evangelism, to keep reaching the lost, and our goal is to have a hundred thousand disciples in Chicago with fifty churches, and then five hundred churches around the world. If that makes you excited, say amen. Come on! So let's look to your neighbors. Say, get connected. We want to connect you to our life groups. In the back of your handout, we have a schedule of life groups for this quarter for January, February, and March. Please check it out. Find a place that's going to meet the needs for you and your family. There's so much to do, so much to get involved in. You're not meant to be alone. We need the church, the body of Christ. Some of you guys are so thankful for the church in your life. Because when we live for God, we need to be around believers for encouragement. So this is our connect phase so that you know you have a place to belong. Look to your neighbor and say, you belong here. So we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening this week. So this Tuesday, we're kicking it off with the Resistance Youth Life Group. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. They meet here at the church. Wednesdays, Righteously Redeemed Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. at that address. Wednesday, we have King's Kids every week, infant to 11 years old, starting here at the church at 6.30. That's our boys' club and girls' clubs for Jesus. If you have children in that age group, you have to bring them here on on Wednesday nights. Then every week on Thursdays, we have our Gang Outreach, 18 years and up. At 7 p.m., they go out, they preach the gospel on the streets. And then on Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's, the other one is at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult, that's where you want to be on Friday nights. No excuses. Clear out your calendar, invite your friends, get yourself to Bible study. It's such a powerful time of fellowship and just getting encouraged in the Word of God, and you want to be around other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then Saturday, the ambassadors are meeting 11 to 18 years old, 3 p.m. at that address. Somebody's excited. Come on, representing the ambassadors. So how many of you guys are excited about Elevate? Elevate's got it, uh, you know, they're rocking and rolling with these life groups. So uh, we're just so excited about what God is doing in the connect phase. And we want to mentor you, okay? We have leaders ready to get into your life, to be there as an encouragement, to teach you, to answer your questions, and really be there to train you up, to be a support. So our 101 book is done one-on-one with a leader and that's welcome to your new life and so whether you've been coming for a long time or new we have leaders ready to take you through that book to really help you grow as a disciple for Jesus and then when you graduate the 101 you'll get into the 201 class Sunday mornings with Pastor Jared or you could choose Thursday nights with Pastor Ellie and that's our uh, class where we train you to be a leader. That's disciples that make disciples. And you keep, your, keep going on in your journey as a disciple to really grow in your knowledge of God and being free and living holy. And it's just good stuff. Look to your neighbor say, mentorship is good stuff. Come on. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. Every Saturday from 5 to 8 people are hitting the streets preaching the gospel on street corners to complete strangers sharing the love of Jesus and letting them know the truth that if you are not born again you will not make it to heaven and so that's our training ground I encourage every single one of you if you've never done it one time go and meet them if you can't do every Saturday do every other Saturday do once a month on a Saturday Get out there, get trained, and be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. It'll really change your life. It'll encourage you. It'll refresh you because you are refreshing others. You're preaching the gospel to other people, and you'll grow so much closer to Jesus by doing that. Amen? So in recap, MPI has a vision, strategy, a goal, a vision of loving God, loving people, a strategy of connect, mentor, and send. And a goal to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Who is excited about that? Who wants to be a part of that? Come on. By God's grace, we will do it. God is so good. How many of you guys are ready to learn about tithes and offerings? Come on. Here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly. Then we designate our offering towards missions and building. An offering is an amount between you and the Lord We don't put an amount on that. You need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know what he wants you to give and giving generously with a cheerful heart. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, not in reluctance or, you know, kind of feeling sorry for yourself that you have to do it, cheerful giver. And so we designate our offering towards missions and building and we just want to thank you every week for partnering with us in what God wants to do here in this city. So let's get ready to get into the lesson from Disciples Giving Book. We are in section one, lesson seven, the tithe must represent our best. This is a 52-lesson 52, uh, 52 book for one lesson uh, for every week of the year. So it's just an awesome thing that we have here that every week we can get a rich, in-depth in-depth study of tithes and offerings and what the scripture clearly, clearly teaches about that. Again, the tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading in Malachi chapter 1. Verse eight and then verses thirteen and fourteen. You can follow along on the screen or turn in your Bibles. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? And you say, What a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. How many of you guys think that God is pretty serious about what we offer to him? See, in the old time. In the Old Testament, the Israelites had to give their sacrifices, their tithes, their offerings through their livestock, through their animals. And so God never told them that it was acceptable for them to give the leftover. He wanted the best from the flock, and that's the same thing with our tithe. The tithe, 10% from from the first... Top of our paycheck is what is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord, not our leftovers. So let's read the three main points. Number one, the government doesn't accept our leftovers. Just like in the days of paying tribute to kings, we have to give our first dollars to taxes. The government doesn't let us give whatever we feel like paying whenever we feel like it. But rather, they take out of our check the first and the best. And that's why after they do that, for us, we control that the the rest of it goes to God. Whatever's next belongs to the Lord. Number 2, the tithes should come from that best that we have. The quality of our tithes and offerings should not be our leftovers but rather our best. So just like we pay taxes, we should always give first always first give our best tithe back to God. And number 3, God curses those who don't give their best. God literally said, "Cursed is the cheat who can give their best but doesn't." Therefore, our best shouldn't go to rent, car notes, or even groceries, but our best first go to God. It doesn't mean that we neglect those things. We need to be responsible. But we cannot be fully responsible and pleasing before God unless we give him the tithe first, and then he promises to meet our needs. Amen? Here's a summary. God doesn't want our leftovers. He desires our best in the form of our tithes. And this is how you could apply it to your life. Number one, make the habit of giving God 10% of your gross income before you spend the other 90%, and ask him for wisdom in how you spend the 90%. Two, repent if you have not been given... Not been giving tithes and have been giving to God your leftovers, giving God your leftovers. And number three, give God your tithe faithfully. Somebody say faithfully. If you are a faithful tither and giver and, or you want to be one, you want to start doing that, let's confess this over our lives together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If that gets you excited, please stand up to your feet. As we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings, another extension of our worship to him, again, at MPI tithes is 10% of our income, missions, and building is what we give our offering towards. And I just want to remind you on the envelope, just make sure you put the exact amount that you want to go towards each category. Here at MPI, we have four ways of giving. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes there in the back. Number three, in the back with credit or debit card, you can see Pastor Jerry today if you have any questions about giving in that way. And number four, you can go online And you could pay through Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Isn't that exciting? So many different ways for you to give to make it convenient for you. So I just want you guys to give it up for yourselves. We have faithfully and generously given $2,940 as a church together for this new band equipment. We're almost there. Slowly but surely, we're going to make this commitment. We thank you for your generosity. And if you have not joined us yet in this new building fund where we're raising monies for the new band equipment, we want you to, number one, pray. Ask God what you should give. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. and Hear what he says. And then three, give, give generously and be obedient to what he tells you. Amen? We can't do this alone. We need the church the body of Christ, to come together to accomplish the vision that he has for this city. We just thank you so much for being a part of that. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4:18. and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, God, and we want to be found faithful. We don't want to give you our leftovers. We want to honor you as our Lord, as our master, so we give you the tithe. We give you our offering. I pray that you would use it, that you would multiply it so that we can meet the needs in this city, so that we could keep building the church of God in Chicago and to preach the gospel all around the world, Lord. I pray for promotions and increases and raises and open doors for employment over your people. I pray for your favor and your goodness to follow them all the days of their life, and I ask, oh Lord, that you would meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus, and we will be faithful, God, to give you what is yours. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen and amen. Please come forward as you give and thank you so much for your generosity.
5: Amen. How many ready to learn about spiritual warfare? Can I get a whoop whoop? Woo! Now, you know, today, obviously, is Valentine's Day, so we found out today who really loves Jesus, okay? So if you guys came here today, we now know who really loves Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you must really love Jesus. Okay, now, let me just say my little Valentine's Day speech. If you are single and you're ready to mingle, I want to tell you, keep it holy, okay? Date holy, make room for Jesus. Do not do something that you'll regret later, okay? Now, for all my married folks, how many married folks do I have here? Not even, okay, a couple, a couple of us. Now, you guys have permission to get it on. You guys have permission tonight to romance, to do whatever you want to do. You could just... Love God and love your spouse. Love them, okay? Now, all you single people here, don't hate. Don't hate. Celebrate because one day you will get married. You will get married. And so the married people say amen. And all the single people say amen. Thank you. Now, open up your Bibles. (laughs) I made myself laugh. Open up your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We are in our second part of the Spiritual Warfare series. All of the month of February, we're going through Spiritual Warfare. Last week, we talked about the basics, part one, and today we're talking about the basics, part two. So I had finished last week's message on the basics, and I was about ready to get into Spiritual Warfare today. I was like, man, I want to talk about a lot of big deal stuff like armor of God, how to intercede and... And and I was ready to do that. But literally at the beginning of of the past week, after I preached the introduction to this sermon series, the Lord put it in my heart. Tell them something else. Give them this nugget so that they can understand how to fight. Because listen to me, spiritual warfare, you fighting against the devil, it's not just coming to church. It's just not praying really loud, getting mad at El Diablo. El Diablo, you're so muy mal, you're so muy mal. You know, it's not... (laughs) Once again I made myself laugh. Sorry. It's not just yelling at the devil, Satanas, Satanas, you know. It's it's uh, and by the way, I pray in Spanish too. And you know when I get that fuego going, and el nombre Jesucristo, fuego, fuego, I get excited. I get excited. I'm like the gringo living in a Latino world. And um, anyways, it's not just that, you have to have the foundation, and so God gave me this message literally whoop, Tuesday, like in seconds. And so I hope you guys enjoy this message coming your way. It is technically another introduction to this sermon series about spiritual warfare. So the nitty gritty, everybody go nitty gritty the nitty-gritty of spiritual warfare, we will learn next week. So make sure you come. Now watch this. Those of you who were here last week, we're going to review for you. And if you weren't here, just track with me right here, okay? So I'm going to show you what we learned last week so it will make sense today. We learned five basic things about spiritual warfare. Now hold your place in Ephesians 6, and we'll get there in just a moment. The notes are always online at mpichurch.org. If you ever forget, look at the sound booth there. So, listen to this. The first thing that we learned last week was that the history of spiritual warfare starts with the devil in heaven, him rebelling against God, taking a third of the angels with him. Then he comes to the newly created man while we're in the garden, tempts us, and takes the authority that God gave us. He took our cookie. He took our cookie. Everybody say, He took our cookie. He took our cookies. He took, he took our stuff because God said, this garden belongs to man. This garden belongs to you. But if you don't want the garden anymore, eat of this tree, the bad one, and you'll lose everything. And there was the devil there to trick us. And when we ate of that tree, we gave him our authority. But Jesus, now everybody say, but Jesus. Jesus came in the flesh as a man, not as a dog. Why didn't God come as a dog? Why didn't he come as an eagle? Why didn't he come as Mr. Ed, a talking horse? Jesus came as a man because man was made in his image. So you can almost see it like a circle. God makes man in his image, and then when Jesus has to come and redeem man, he comes as a man. Now, Jesus never had flesh and blood. He was known as the Logos or the eternal word, the Son, in heaven. Spiritually, the Father, Son, and Spirit. But he came in the flesh, in the image of man, made of flesh and blood, born of a virgin, so that he might defeat the devil, die on the cross for our sins. Two things, defeat the devil. That means he would resist his temptation. He wouldn't fall for that trick. In his humanity, he had a choice. In his humanity, he could decide what he wanted to do. So when the devil tempted him, now watch, the devil came to him at the the last temptation and showed him the kingdoms of the world and said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. Do you guys remember that? And then, now watch, Jesus did not tell him he's lying. He didn't say, no, devil, you don't have nothing. You ain't got nothing. How are you going to give me this? No, he actually rebuked him and said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only, right? So what does that mean? It was true that Satan had all the kingdoms of the world. And now Jesus had a choice. He could have worshiped the devil, avoided the cross, and had the kingdoms of the world delivered to him that way. The problem with that was is he would not have defeated the devil. He would have been subjected to the devil. And that will twist your little noggin if you think about could the Son of God become subjected to the devil. And that's a little scary thought. But I'm glad he resisted the devil. Amen? Okay? But now watch. He defeats the devil. He defeats the temptation. He lives sinless. Then the second thing is he goes to the cross to do what? Die for our sins. Everybody go, my sins. So it was twofold. That's what spiritual warfare got, how it got started, and then it got finished and completed in Christ. Started with the devil in heaven. Falling down from from heaven, like uh, he was the son of the morning, he was called Lucifer, the morning angel, probably a worshiping angel, fell like lightning to the earth, then he tempts us, Then, then spiritual warfare becomes a part of our existence, Jesus comes, defeats the devil. Now this is why at Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, after he raised from the dead, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, if you're a true student of the Bible, you would say, well, Jesus, didn't you already have it? Because you were in in, in heaven long before Satan was ever created. You've always had all of the authority. There's only but one God, hello, and God is revealed in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But what Jesus was saying is the God-man, when God became man, when Jesus became man, he won back the authority as a man. And became then the name above every other name, Jesus. He never had that name in eternity. He was always the Son or the Logos, the eternal Word of God. Jesus was his birth name into the flesh. Are you with me? And then now that man, Christ Jesus, became the ruling man of all the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. So uh, in that sense, it did take God coming down to do the job for man, but he was fully man. So never forget that. That's the history of spiritual warfare. If you want to learn all about it, here's all the notes. And you remember how long it was. I read all of that last week. That was fun. Okay, the second thing that we learned was about the Lord's army. And it's very simple. Start with Jesus. Build your theology from there. You see in heaven there are seraphim and there are cherubim. These are those winged creatures. And then what we call angels or archangels are the creatures that do God's bidding as in uh, doing war like uh, Michael and being a messenger like Gabriel and these creatures don't have wings so it's good to differentiate for, between the archangels and the seraphim and cherubim. Then we learned about our enemy everybody go El Diablo is moving more okay <laughs> come on, why don't you guys want to have fun? Now, we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Satan, but we do have to give him a little bit of attention because the Bible talks about him. We learned about him being a fallen angel. He appears as an angel of light. So all of these horror movies you're seeing aren't really how he appears. He appears as light. And then he uh, took demons with, uh, took angels with him. So think about the the deception that he was uh, giving to the heavens that if a third of them, one out of three of the angels actually followed Satan, that must have been very deceptive. And Adam and Eve even fell for it. Now, those fallen angels became demons. And as we will read in Ephesians 6, they become four categories of demons. What we learned, rulers, authorities, powers, and forces. Don't have time to get all that. Go back and see last week's message. Then we moved on to know about the battle. Everybody say the battle. Thank you. Now, what we learned about the battle is that unbelievers' battles, those who are not born again, their battle is actually not against the devil. That's one of the things that the devil has actually tricked them into believing, like, oh, they're fighting their demons, they have problems. No, 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 no. If you don't have Jesus, you've already been taken by the devil. You belong to him. You're in his army. You are a part of his forces. But here's the bad part he doesn't treat his people good. He can only steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're on his side, you will still feel affected by him. He will still be wanting to steal and kill you and just use you kind of like the kamikazes of Japan were used by the emperor to destroy America. They didn't care about those guys. Like, just go destroy everything, and you get destroyed in the process. Hello. And that's the way the devil is, and that's the Scripture. Can I show you this in the Bible? You can go see your grandmama's Bible. It will still have this Scripture in there. I didn't make it up, even though it is pretty militant. Can I hear an amen? You adulterers. So you people, you're not with God. You're cheating on God. You're adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Well, I thought Oprah Winfrey told me God don't have any enemies. Well, that's why Oprah Winfrey is an enemy of God, and she's going to hell. Now, I don't mean to throw around hell like it's just something that I just try to make everybody go there so I can look better, like, oh, look how cool I am. I'm telling everybody they're going to hell. No, I'm being realistic here. When Oprah Winfrey teaches you, and I love picking on her because she's all over the media now. She's always she has her own channel, she's always been somebody people look up to. When you guys hear her talk and she says there's many ways to God, and that you know you can fight the bad things in your life, things that you would all say are bad, like you know, anger, murder, whatever, she makes you think that you're on the side of God. But listen to me if you have not been born again according to Jesus, you're being lied to. You are an enemy of God. God has has enemies. Now here's the good thing. Jesus loves his enemies. Hello? Aren't you happy Jesus loves enemies? He loves his enemies but you're very in fact his enemy. He's not sending people that he considers his besties to hell. And there is a hell. And he's not going to be like wishing you were in heaven with him. He'll joyfully send you there because you are his enemy some people think when jesus comes back he's going to be shedding a little tear for the people he's judging read the bible he's not weeping for you he's rejoicing blood is splattering him and he's rejoicing it's a, a, a hundred million people dying in one battle the blood is as high as a horse's head and then the bible says he's laughing at them psalm 2 he laughs at them does he, okay can i show you this in the bible oh lord help me can I just show you guys a piece of judgment? Today? I mean, I, I just so, sometimes think we don't know who Jesus is. Like, who is that guy? Is that, who is that? That's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is not a, 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 um, a horror film guy. He does, he's not bloodthirsty. But when he comes, he destroys his creation. It's his creation. Therefore, he has the right to do with his creation whatever he wants to do. Can I hear an Amen. So if you don't want to serve him, he can do with you whatever you want. Now, here we go. The Bible says, uh, let me go to Psalm 1 right here. Uh, No, it is Psalm 2. Jumping around here. Okay. Why do the nations conspire? The people plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is against the Father and his Son, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven... Laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. Ha ha. He rebukes them in his anger. He terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion. Who is that king? Jesus, my holy mountain, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, Jesus is talking, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possessions. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Are you all being warned today in this church? Aren't you glad you came to be warned about the second coming of Jesus? Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss the son, talking about Jesus, or he will become angry and you will be led to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Now, if you want to read what that day looks like in the book of Revelation, blood, blood, let's let's, let's see this, blood high as a horse's bridle the King James. Here we go. In Revelation chapter 14, they were trampled in the wine press outside the city, and the blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as a horse's bridle for a distance of 1,600 stadia, which is the distance of about 180 miles. There will be a river of blood from here to Rockford, my friends, because of Jesus on Judgment Day. That's the Jesus I serve. Amen? Okay. Now, that Jesus loves you. That Jesus loves you. And that's good news, amen, because you want Jesus to love you. But here's the problem if you're not loving Jesus back, you're his enemy. You're being prepared for that day, the wine press of God. So kiss the son, lest he be angry. Now here's where people go, well it wasn't fair that I was born and that's so unfair. Yes, that is true. God created you without your say in the matter. But now that you are created, you do get your choice. Do I want to spend eternity with him or do I want to be punished and exiled away from God's presence? It is your choice. Hell is not a place that people go accidentally. Hell is a place that you have decided to go because you do not want to kiss the son or serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he could force us to bend our knees to serve him as a dictator but he is our loving father and creator and Jesus Christ is a beautiful shepherd as the Bible says and he leads us he leads us and he does things willingly uh, for those who willingly come to him and I hope that if you haven't been born again you'll choose to be born again and find him to be the great friend and lover of your soul amen and how many are born again disciples of Jesus are you glad you're here today amen now watch this. For us, it is a literal battle against us and the devil because now what, what's happened? We've switched teams. We're not on his team anymore. We're not going with the flow, as the Bible says. We're going against the flow, and that's why for many of us, when we became Christians, we lost friends. We lost jobs. We lost influence. There were things taken from us, division in our homes, as the Bible says, even among our family members. But that wasn't because we were fighting people. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authority against the powers of this world, dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. And we talked about that. Now, the thing that I wanted you guys to remember is that our battle against the devil is not like this. It's not some arm wrestling match where, oh, he might get the devil, uh, the devil might get Jesus and body slam him like it's some WWF fight, you know, like, like a rear naked chokehold. There he goes, the devil's got him, you know. Jesus is going to tag in Gray Burl or, or one of the angels. No, this is more or less what the battle looks like. It is us a staunch on the devil with our feet because Jesus put him under his feet. Amen? So the Bible says that Jesus defeated the devil, and then he said, I've given you power and authority to trample on scorpions and snakes, okay? And that's how we are to look at him as as defeated scorpion, as defeated snake. Now, does he still uh, go around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour? Yes, he does. But we need to stand in the victory of Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus has got the victory, and this is what we learned about last week. Jesus defeated the devil. We learned about that. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He just said, Hey, guys, I'm going to pimp slap you right on this cross. Boom. He did. He, I mean, think about that word. I mean, let's just put it in our, our vernacular. Made a public spectacle of them. Like literally, just in front of everybody. That's what Jesus did. That's my Jesus. Amen. Now, look at this. Jesus defeated the power, presence, and the penalty of sin. It says in 1 John 3, 8, now the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Now, that's why I'm your friend. Everybody look up at me. I'm your friendly neighborhood pastor. How are you guys doing? My name is Joe. Thanks for coming today. Now, I am your friend if I tell you if what you do is sinful is of the devil. The friend that you think, quote, unquote, that, that likes your behavior even though it's sinful and doesn't tell you it's of the devil, they're not your friend. The pastor is your friend. The church is your friend. Other disciples here, we are your friends. So we don't want you going on in same-sex, you know, union or, you know, what people are calling same-sex marriage is a same-sex mirage. We have to tell you that as a culture. It's make-believe. Why? Because we love you. The creator designs you for something better. And the same thing with the person that's living together with the one they're not married. I've got to tell you, that's sinful. Galatians 5, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God that way. I'm your friend, okay? Don't hate the messenger. I'm here giving you the message of Jesus. And if people say, well, don't judge me, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. Joe didn't write this down. Joe didn't tell you there was a place called hell. I didn't make that up. I didn't make up the definition of sexual immorality. You know what the definition of sexual immorality is? Is any sex outside of heterosexual heterosexual monogamous marriage. So if it's not a man and a woman monogamously in marriage, it's immoral. Two men, immoral. One man, three women, immoral. Hello? One man by himself, Immoral. <laughs> It's all immoral. The only thing you were given reproductive organs for is one man, one woman in matrimony till death do you part. Can I hear an amen? Okay, now I love you to tell you that, but Jesus, he defeated my sin. Did I used to do it wrong? Yes. Not only in sexuality, but I did it wrong in my anger, my temper, bitterness, unforgiveness. We can make a list of sins that all come natural to us, right? Having an attitude, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to, making idols of this world and putting them up up as our gods, right? Our sports, our entertainment, our jobs, our education. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. Simple. Now watch this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to play patty cake with the Devil, the reason the devil appeared was to destroy the. Okay, can you guys pretend you care about this today? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work, not to play patty cake with it, not to say, "Okay, devil, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and we'll have a little condominium inside uh, Sadia's heart." I'll have I'll have the condo at the top, you have the one at the bottom. No, 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 no. When Jesus came into Sadia's heart, he destroyed the works of the devil. When he came into your heart, Augustine, destroyed the works of the devil. This is what we should know when we go to fight the devil. Because if we don't know that Jesus is our victory, we'll let him still convince us we're sinners addicted to sin and not set free. We need to know, no, I may be getting tempted, but that doesn't mean that's who I am. My temptation and trial does not dictate my identity I am who God said I am, not what this trial and test says I am. And then we learn that Jesus defeated sorrow. He literally came to rescue us from the brokenness of our heart, emotions. And then he came to defeat sickness on the cross by him being bruised and and, and being whipped like that. The Bible says there was a spiritual transference of healing in this world so we can ask for prayer and seek out medical help and all of these things that God gives through wisdom. And then in the world to come to receive a new body, because that's why he raised from the dead, is to show us that the body was made for eternity. Amen? And so the, the, the basic thing we learned last week is that, yeah, we have to wage some wars in heavenly realms, but we need to do it in our heavenly place with Jesus. We need to trust Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay, now let's get to the message. How many are ready for the message? Because that was just the what? Introduction. That was it. Okay, let's go now to the message. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. My computer screen's doing something naughty right here. Can you hit escape on your end? Just hit the button, escape. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 6. Today, as I told you before at the beginning, the Lord really woke me up Tuesday morning with the great heart of this second portion he wanted me to go through so that uh, we could really get an understanding of spiritual warfare. And like I said, it's not something silly like us dressing up as medieval knights, you know, going on guard to the devil with our sword like in some Monty Python film. No, what we're doing is really fighting for the victory from victory. We're not trying to go out and win victory somewhere over there. We're trying to keep the victory that the Lord has already given us in here. Ephesians 6, 10, look at it. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Does it say go get on the treadmill of good works and make yourself strong? Does he say get ready to do spiritual calisthenics to make yourself strong? No, because you can't save yourself. You can't defeat the devil. Only Jesus can defeat the devil. Now, in Jesus' name, you can be strong. Isn't that wonderful? Look at that. Be strong in the Lord. I wish I could just stop and do a Bible study with each one of you and just go, are you strong in the Lord today? Are you strong in the Lord? You know, I struggle with it. How do you struggle with it? How do you stop trusting God? How do you rely upon your own self and suffer sometimes? You know, when we look at the battle, the battle is already the Lord's. The Lord has already won the battle. That's why in Psalms 23 it says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The victory has been won. That's what I need to start off saying is I need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, now put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So I'm not running over somewhere else to go get my victory. I am standing here in my victory saying, devil, you can't take it from me. The family I have already belongs to the Lord. I'm not going to let you take it from me. My mind when I was born again became the mind of Christ. I'm not going to let you take it from me. The purposes and plans for my life were set before the foundation of the world, and I am Christ's workmanship. I won't let you confuse my purpose. You see, it's another way of thinking at the battle. Instead of looking at you're fighting for your sound mind, you're fighting for your children's salvation, you're fighting for these things, you need to stop and say, hold on, hold on. The Lord's already done all the work. I'm standing on the promise. So not only the question that we should ask ourselves at the beginning is, how strong are we in the Lord? But the other question we should ask ourselves is, do you believe in Christ's victory? Is Christus victor in Latin? Is he the victor of everything? And we're going to look at that today. I'm going to help blow your mind and help you think of it differently. But right here at the beginning, is he the victor? Because if he is, you can be strong in his power. Put on the armor and do what he's asked you to do. Because he's not leaving you out there by yourself. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not going to be in the origin of people, but it's against the rulers. That's the first one. The second one, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, the fourth one, and against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. See, those those are the four levels of the demonic attacks that Satan leads against us. So now what we have to ask ourselves is, am I ready to get it on? On to the break of break of dawn with the Lord. Am I going to do it? Because now if you come to me and you're like, oh, the devil, he just, and I got to do it like a little southern here, okay. Oh, the devil, he just beat me up so bad. I just won't want to get beat by the devil no more. And then if I come to you, I go, do you want to get beat by the devil no more? I don't want to get beat by the devil no more. Well, why are you you letting them beat you? Well, I don't know. He did beat me all the time. I'm so sorry. I just got this funny illustration of what what this looks like. As a pastor, I got to do this to make it fun for myself, okay? So join me on my journey of preaching to you this morning. But that's how I hear people coming to the church all defeated. I don't want to beat me no more. I don't you beat? No. Well, Bubba, why are you getting beat all the time? Well, I don't know. Well, the reason is, is because you're not doing this. And I don't want to be rude to you because I get beat on by the devil sometimes. Sometimes I lose a battle that I should have never have lost. You and I are more than conquerors. Doesn't the Bible say that? The Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Where does it say we can lose sometimes and and God's proud of us? I think God still loves us, but he goes, why do you keep getting knocked down when I told you to stand? He says, you're more than a conqueror. Don't you know who you are? That's how I think God is speaking to us because I know I speak to my children that way. Don't you know who you are? You know, like my daughter, when she picks up crumbs and eats it off the floor, I'm like, that is so gross. Don't you know who you are? You are a daughter of a varostik. You can eat the finest of McDonald's food. You can eat the finest of Burger King. You don't have to be picking up crumbs off the floor. Don't you know who you are? I see my children, they keep all of these things. They're like little pack rats, and i got to get them free in Jesus' name. But they keep everything. And then like I throw away one thing, and they're like crying. Oh, I wanted that. you know. And I'm just like, don't you know who you are? Your daddy can make it rain in five below. I can make it rain. This thing is dirty. This thing is nasty. We're throwing it away. Ah, but don't you know who you be with? Seriously, when I walk into five below, it's like, bum, 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 I'm Like, get it, get it, get it, get it, make it rain, make it rain. Like, they see me coming, and they're like, oh, here he comes. It's the boss. It's the boss of five below. And I'm like, yes, boom, buy all that. But you see, we forget it all the time. The devil messes with us. He says, oh, look at this pornography. And you're picking up that crumb off the floor. And I'm like, Nobody loves me. Nobody on Valentine's Day. I might as well go to bighooters.com. And oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And then, like, Jesus is like, don't you know who you are? You weren't made for bighooters.com. Hello, somebody. And like the same thing, like, oh, nobody will love me in church. You know, it's like, like a young lady saying, that nobody will love me in church. But this one guy's hitting on me all the time on Facebook. It's lonely, so I'm going to go check him out. No, come on. Don't you know who you are? And so our battle is the Lord's. Our battle belongs to our King. Our Lord, it belongs to Jesus. And so I got some really cool pictures I want to show you. And as I do, I just want you to hear the message today up front. I'm going to tell you the message before. i want to teach the message, then preach the message. Amen? So let me just teach it real quick before I get all excited because I love this. This is what God told me on Tuesday. If we can know who he is, know who we are not without him, and know who we are with him, it will change everything. So take, for example, before I get all preaching on this, let me just teach it. Just take, for example, Jesus is king of kings and lord of of lords. He is known as the great I am, okay, the great I am. In the Old Testament, Moses said, who should I say sent me? While the angel of the Lord was speaking to him through the burning bush. He said, say that I am, that I am has sent you. This is where we get the Hebrew word Yahweh. Also Jehovah in German. Everybody say Yahweh, okay. Okay. Now, Jesus, when he came to earth, he claimed to be the God of Israel. He claimed to be Yahweh. And he did so by saying at one point in the book of John, he said, you guys are freaking out about who I am, but let me break it down to you. Before Abraham was, I am. And he said, I am. And in the Greek, he said, ego am I. I am. And they immediately wanted to pick up stones to stone him because he was committing blasphemy. He was putting the sacred name of God upon himself. That's what he was saying. He says, I am. Everybody say, I am. Now, what that means is he is what he is. He is the self-existing one. He is the one that encompasses all things, and all things are from him, for him, and through him, okay? Now, I want you to think about that. The first thing you've got to know is who Jesus is. If you don't know who Jesus is, the devil will defeat you by that alone. If you think Jesus, like some false religions believe, is just a prophet, you can never have the victory of Jesus because Jesus is not just a prophet. He is the God-man. Okay? So if you don't believe in Jesus as the God man you don't have victory over the devil. If you believe like the Mormons believe that Jesus is a spirit brother of Satan and God the Father has a spirit wife and they got together one lonely old night up in heaven and got it on and then had a bunch of spirit children and Jesus and the devil are just a bunch of spirit children and then then if you do what Jesus has done not what the devil has done because he was a bad kid. If you do what Jesus has done then you get to become a God of your own planet one day like Jesus and that's what they believe in celestial marriages and then becoming gods, you got the wrong Jesus. Hello, somebody. The Mormons got the wrong Jesus. No authority. If you believe Jesus is like what the Jehovah Witnesses say he is, just an angel, they say that Jesus was created by the Father as Michael the archangel, and then he himself came in the flesh and did all of these wonderful things, but nonetheless he was an angel, you got the wrong Jesus. You can't have the Jesus of Islam or the Jesus of Mormonism or the Jesus of Jehovah Witnesses or even the Jesus Jesus of Eastern religion, of Hinduism or Buddhism. If they incorporate Jesus' teachings, they make him out to be an enlightened one, another incarnation of Krishna or of one of their gods that came to earth in the form of Jesus. This is a lie. You will not have the victory. You have to know who Jesus is. Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Can I just say, can I hear an amen to that? I'm going to show you about that in just a minute. But now watch. It's not just good enough that you know that. You then have to know the next thing. You have to know who you are. And so he's the great I am, and I'm the great I am not. He says, I am holy. I have to say, I'm unholy. He says, I am victorious over the devil. I am not victorious over the devil. You see, without Jesus, I am not. He is the great I am. I'm the great I am not. And this is a problem that a lot of people even have with Christianity because they really can't get saved because they don't think they need to get saved. See, Jesus can only save sinners, and sinners have to admit their sin. So if you come to Jesus because your family raised you in church or you want to do something good in your community, you're not truly saved. You have to be able to say it like this, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. You have to be able to say the song of amazing grace. He saved a wretch like me. See, if in your mind you were never a wretch, then you're not truly saved now. Because only Jesus saves sinners. He can only save sinners. Self-righteous people who don't think they need to be saved go to hell. And that's a sad thing to say. Honestly, don't be deceived. Self-righteousness is a sin and people go to hell because of self-righteousness. Just hear Jesus' wonderful talks with the Pharisees all throughout the New Testament. He calls them snakes. He calls them vipers, right? He calls them twice-washed tombs. He calls them sons of the devil. So God saves sinners, not self-righteous people. So can you admit, I am not, and he is the great I am? If you can't, track here with me because I know I have a lot of Christians here. If you can't do that apart from Christ, then you will lose battles all the time. Because what will happen is you will try to fight the battle on your own. What you will think salvation is is this. Jesus giving you the gym membership to the Good Works Club. Think about that. You will think salvation is a membership to the Good Works Club. Yeah, you were going to hell. You were overweight spiritually. But then Jesus came along, paid a high price. But what he did is he got you a membership to the Good Works Club. So he said, "Hey, you're really overweight. I love you. I'm going to help you. I'll die on the cross. Here's your membership, and now you got to get on the treadmill of righteousness, and you got to work out. And after a few years, you lose a little spiritual weight, and then you get a little more righteous, and then you do that, and then one day you think you're going to get to heaven, and he's going to reward you with salvation because of how well you did in the righteous on the righteousness self righteousness." the treadmill in the self-help gym. Are you listening to me? Of the gym of religious works. That's what some of you think salvation is. No, no, no. Can I tell you what salvation is? You dead in a casket. You doing nothing for yourself in the means of, for the means of salvation. Jesus making you alive perfectly in his image day one. Boom. That's salvation. What is your battle now to keep what God has entrusted to you, to keep holy what he has given you, to guard your heart, to guard your mind? Look at all that language in the Bible of guarding, to walk worthy of. Listen to that language throughout the epistles. So day one, if you're truly a Christian, you are saved, made righteous, and holy. You have the end product day one. I am not trying to get saved. I am saved. I'm not trying to be righteous. I am righteous. But without Christ, I am dead in a casted dead in a casket I am not so I am not partnering with Jesus in my salvation he does a little I do a little he does a little sometimes I mess up and he gets my back no 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 Christ is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all do good works play a part absolutely but not in my salvation not in my salvation. They play a part in my obedience, but not to save my soul. A dead man cannot make himself live. A sinner cannot make himself a saint. Only Christ can do that. It is a work of rebirth. That is why it is called rebirth. It's not called, it's not called reconstructing your life. It's not called remodeling. It is called rebirth. The same way you did nothing when your mom and dad got together, listening to a little R. Kelly, or maybe a little Al Green, depending on what generation you are. Maybe a little Led Zeppelin, you know, Stairway to Heaven. Who knows what generation or songs your parents were rocking to you came out and did nothing that's what jesus compares the new birth to you have to be reborn now what is the part that god wants us to get to is to know christ in us you see christ then comes into the reborn person and then as you can see in this picture the power of christ saturates their life and empowers them to live holy so here are the three things real simply you got to know who Jesus is. you got to know who you are without Jesus, and you need to know what Christ is in you. With Jesus, what you become. That's the message right there. I almost just want to sit down and do a little Bible study with you guys, because I really want that to settle in. That's the Revy that I got in the morning. It may not impress you guys, but that's what I got. And I'll tell you why it really blessed me, is because I looked at my life, and every place I've ever missed a a chance to be victorious, any chance I've ever missed to, to have God reveal himself to me, I have messed up in these areas. So, you know, if I don't know who Jesus is, I get deceived all the time. If, if I didn't rather know who Jesus was, I would be deceived all the time. And, and, and the times that I find myself discouraged, it's because I don't believe he is who he said he is. You know, think about the times you've gotten discouraged. Where's your big problem there? It's not necessarily in the test. Because everybody goes through tests. How do these people go through tests and write hymns and songs about it? You know, it is well with my soul. When a woman lost her daughter, you know, they're, they were drowning at sea, and, and their daughter slips through her arms, but her husband writes a song, It Is Well With My Soul. I mean, right? I mean, how do you go through a test and say it's well with my soul when you've lost your children? And yet you and I go through tests, and we're about ready to turn our back on God right now. Well, you know what the difference is? It's because they knew who God was, Okay. Now, the other thing is, think about the times you've lost the battle. Like my friend, a pastor, he commits adultery on his wife after being married 10 years. Where did he lose the battle at? Oh, yeah, he knew theologically who Jesus was. He believed Jesus was all that, then some in a bag of chips. But hold on, he forgot who he was without Christ. So he thought he could hang out with a a woman he wasn't married to. He didn't know that his flesh could simply sin as easy as it did any other day. His flesh could go into sexual sin after 10 years of salvation just like it could after one day of salvation. He didn't take it it serious to what God was saving. God saved him from himself. And you could almost see him going, God, I got this. You know, I got it. I'm good. Let me just do my thing now, God. You did your thing. No, literally the Bible calls it life, eternal life. The moment he stopped having the oxygen of heaven, he died like that. That's why the Bible says when David sinned, he pleaded with the Lord. He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He pleaded with him. Don't, don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because then it's over. I die. You see? And then other times, think about when you've been defeated. You know, you might know who God is. You might know, yeah, I'm a sinner without God. But then you make all excuses because you just think you're still just a dirty, rotten sinner. Yeah, you know, God's so holy and perfect, and nobody's perfect like God. So, whoops, I sinned again. No big deal. The blood covers it, right? And then all of a sudden, we start making a cycle of defeat because we start saying to ourselves, it's just good enough, it's good enough, right? It's good enough that I know who he is, and I know that I'm nothing without him. That's good enough. And we forget, no, 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 that's not why Christ died on the cross. So you could live some jacked up life, being pimp slapped by the devil every day, making an excuse nobody's perfect. Jesus wants you to be righteous like him, holy like him. Be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. Be more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror. Think about that. Having power within you to do all things. Hello, somebody. So think about the areas you've ever lost a spiritual battle. It's not because you weren't shouting at the devil enough. It wasn't because you weren't fasting enough. It was because you had unbelief in one of these three areas. But if you had ever experienced a victory, if you've truly been saved and you've overcome temptation and you've seen the devil go on the run or at least your life change and evil leave your life, that's because you got lined up here. You said, man, I know who Jesus is. I know I'm nothing without Jesus, but with Jesus I can take on smoking. Right? That was one of my first victories when I got saved. Spiritual battle. There wasn't like some demon of cigarettes. (sighs) You know, some weird little thing. My name is the demon of cigarettes. I have come to battle you. I am ready for you. I wish I could do like the kung fu. I am ready. You know, I'm ready. And then all of a sudden I get free from cigarettes. Like some Pokemon thing, you know? No, how did I get free from cigarettes? How did I win my first spiritual battle? After I got saved and the devil's no longer my buddy sending me free drugs all the time, sending me girls to get, you know, sent to the clinic for, you know. No, now the devil's against me. Now he's messing with me. How did I win my first one? Well... I was smoking and I I had my friend come talk to me who was a Christian. I only been saved about a month or so. No one in my church even cared to ask. But my one friend was at Bible college and he came back for a Thanksgiving break and we were just hanging out and I was just smoking while we were eating some pizza and he's like, he's like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just smoking. I love Jesus. I'm smoking. And he's like, don't you want to stop smoking? And I'm like, I would like to, but I don't know how. And then he just said, you know, pray and ask Jesus. He'll set you free. And we prayed there, and, of course, that did nothing. I just went home and kept smoking. And then I said to myself, well, man, I I better do something about this. So then I got on my treadmill of good works. I said, I'm going to make it happen, Captain. I'm going to make it happen, Jesus. I'm going to prove to you I'm strong. And I couldn't even go a day without smoking. I couldn't go a day without. So when I tried to make it happen for myself, couldn't do it. And then Jesus literally came to me and goes, like you know, just like tapping me on the shoulder and be like, what are you doing? I'm going to prove to you, Jesus, that I can live holy. And it's just, you know, I can just remember the Lord talking to me in his words so I could understand back then. He's just like, that's not how you got saved. You didn't make it happen. That's not how you're going to get free from cigarettes. You're going to get free when you believe me that you're free. Because the Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. I set you free November fifth, 1995, the day you got saved, and it was because of what I did 2,000 years ago. You're free. You don't ever have to smoke again. And the Lord put it in my heart, the moment you believe that you don't ever have to smoke again, you'll never smoke again. And that was my first spiritual battle. That's the one I can remember. I'm sure there was others, but that was the one I could remember. And, and uh, you know, a couple days are going by. My body's shaking. I'm going, oh, I got to smoke. And I just remember falling on my face just going, Jesus, I need you. And then I just remember the Lord telling me, worship, pray, love me. Get your mind off that. Get your mind on me, and this will pass. And literally a couple days pass. It's been 20 years since I smoked a cigarette. Hello, work for me. Amen. And I got people all up in this church by God's grace, haven't smoked for years. Same way, not twelve steps, not patch, Jesus, victory, Christ in me. Same thing. I'll keep you here all day. I'll freak some of you out. But you know, looking at nudie magazines, going to Bible college, coming back six months later, looking at a picture that I shouldn't be looking at, feeling dirty, having sex with myself. Not, you know, this is around Thanksgiving break. That same time, around '96, and I just felt the Lord say, you. Did you enjoy that? And I'm like, not really. I feel kind of dirty right now. And the Lord's like, you don't ever have to do that again. You can be free from perversion right now. You can be free. You can be free right now. And I remember what the lesson the Lord had taught me. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to believe right now I'm free. I am who I You said I am. I can do what you said I can do. I haven't looked at pornography in 20 years. I waited 10 years to meet my wife and to have sex again. I had sex from a young age and I had to wait 10 years and I didn't break that vow. You see, God did it. How did he do it for me? Did I go to Sex Addicts Anonymous? Did I I read five books fast for 10 days? No, I just stood upon the victory of what Christ already purchased for me on the cross. And that's how you're going to win every victory. When was the last time you cussed? I remember the last time. I'll keep you here all day. The last time I cussed. Now you may say, Pastor, when was the last time you wanted to cuss? Well, that may have been a little bit shorter of a time. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. You know, I can tell you the last time I fought. And you'd be like, Pastor, have you wanted to fight since then? Yes, I have, okay. Now, does that mean I don't sin? But I can tell you, yeah, I have sinned. But those times that I have sinned, man, I am battling those. And I want to say there's a last time for those things too. I, I, I want to say, by God's grace, there's the date was the last time I yelled at my wife. And I want to be able to tell you that when I can get some years behind me. Amen. But I'm getting on some years with that. I, I want to be able to say when it's about five, six years or more, hello. And I wanna be able to say it's been been five years since I've yelled at my wife or yelled at my kids. Hello. Don't you want a testimony of being free? Or do you want to go on the merry-go-round of defeat and show up to heaven like your Rocky Balboa at the end of a fight? Your face is busted up, your lip is busted up, you come in there limping. I made it, Jesus. I made it. <laughs> And he's just like, okay, son, all right, good job. Not my definition of more than a conqueror, you know. But that's kind of like how people want to make it. As long as I can get there, as long as I can get there. Well, how about we whoop the devil on our way there, amen? How about we put on the armor of the Lord and stand in the victory of God? How about we plunder hell and populate heaven, amen? Let's get it on. Now, that was the second introduction. Are you guys ready for the message? Look at your neighbor and say, here comes the message, Okay, so let's go over these three points. Starting with number one, let's know Jesus biblically. Let's know Jesus. Let's let's not go to the Quran. Let's not go to the Bhagavad Gita. Let's go to what Jesus and his disciples taught. Here we go Colossians 1 15 through 18. It says, For the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. How many things? All things were created from the Son of God, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. So did Jesus create the devil? Yes, he did. Did he create every person on this planet? Yes, he did. All things have been created through him and for him. So even when the devil rebelled, it's still for Jesus because darkness shows you how much you need light. Cold shows you how much you need warmth. God is using the devil to show us how much we need him. Every bad and wicked thing that's ever happened to you, listen to me, I don't undermine that at all. That's why there's a hell, my friends. But I'm here today to tell you the reason why Jesus has allowed it is so you will see where choices lead. If you were abused by a father, if you were abused by a, 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 a relative, God is showing you, you cannot put your trust in any loved one. Even though you can find love again, but listen to me, people will fail you. Jesus will never fail you. Those of us who had good upbringings, we are still taught that our upbringing from these good moms and dads were just a drop in the bucket compared to God's love. So don't put your trust in that because it will still leave you. David said, my mother and father will forsake me, but you will never leave me. So those of us who had terrible upbringings, to those of us who had good upbringings, we can still see both of them pointing us to our need in Christ. Because I can't carry my dad's hugs with me everywhere I go, right? That shows me I need Jesus because my dad's not big enough to hug me through some of my pain. And those of you who have been hurt and say, well, dads aren't always good dads. That's right. That's why you need the heavenly father in whom there is no shifting of shadow and where every good and perfect gift comes from. You see, darkness points us to Christ. Cold points us to light. And this is what Jesus is saying. I got this thing under control. Even hell will be for the glory of Jesus. Hell is for the glory of Jesus. Why? Because hell is a place where people go who don't want Jesus. And then he'll be able to say, I gave you that choice. That's for his glory. We'll rejoice and say, you're so awesome, Jesus. You could have made them all come here and had a good time, but you let them be out there and be party poopers. We'll literally be praising Jesus for that. Trust me, you will not be in heaven wishing that people in hell were with you. You'll be praising God that they got exactly what they wanted. You won't be on judgment day going up to Jesus going, Jesus, I know this is where you want to send them to hell, but it's my mom, it's my dad, it's my brother. No, no, you're going to say, send them, Jesus. Go, send them, Lord. Because my mom didn't want to come here. My dad didn't want to come here. Hello. If my own daughter doesn't want to come here, I'll be saying, send her, Jesus. Because I'll have been with clean hands. The Bible says only those who will be there with blood on their hands are those who didn't tell them and warn them about the judgment to come. If I have warned my daughter, if I have preached to my daughter, and she says at the end of the day, I don't want Jesus. Okay, well, then you get hell. And I praise God for a place called hell. Because heaven is not for people who don't want Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? Some of you I don't think believe that's in the Bible. Can I show you that's in the Bible? Can I show you the Bible says if you don't hate your mother, brother, wife, children, all those people, you can't go to heaven. How many have ever heard that before? A couple of you, like two of you. This is why i got to read it right now. If you don't hate, this is Jesus talking again, hate your father and your mother. And this is like, Pastor, why do you talk about this stuff? Pastor, don't you know this messes with people? But can I just tell you the Bible is true whether we like it or not? Amen. Let's just say like right now, like I didn't like this and I just told you this was not true. Does that mean it's not true? No, just because I told you it's not true doesn't mean it's not true. Watch this here. It says here, if any man comes to me, this is uh, Luke 14, 26, if any man comes to me and hates not his father, mother, wife, children, and brother and sisters, yes, isn't this a great Valentine's Day message, and brother and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot, can you guys see that because I want you to think I'm making it up here, he cannot be my what? That's the Bible. Now why did Jesus teach us that? Because Jesus said there can only be one number one. It's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not your children. Only God can be number one. You put anything before God, you will go to hell. You will perish. So somebody may say here right now, they may say, well, that's really mean, Jesus. I don't know if I like that because you know what? That's just unfair. What if they were a good father? This is what I would say to people with noble virtues because a lot of us don't have a problem with Jesus being awesome and all of this as long as it doesn't mess with our cultural virtues. So right now, if I said Jesus will change a murderer and have him stop murdering and let's just say I was downtown at Millennium Park and I got all the people together and I said, I'm going to tell you guys a message. Jesus wants the murders to stop in Chicago. How many would be like, ah, that would be awesome. They would all start cheering, wouldn't they? And Jesus wants corruption to leave our city and the politics. Well, ah, and Jesus wants every same-sex couple to get a divorce and live holy and pure in monogamy and heterosexual lifestyle. You think I would get an amen? It would be quiet, wouldn't it? Because now they're going to say you don't love. They're, They're going to say you're not tolerant. You know why? Because now they have different virtues. See, God didn't just come to change the way you look at sin. He came to the way you look at everything, the way you look at virtues. Because in their worlds, diversity, tolerance, and all of that is a virtue. And so if a man wants to pretend to be a three, uh, whatever he's trying to be, a seven-year-old girl and dress up as a small schoolgirl and have sex with grown men and call that his fantasy, that's okay. And if we go against that, we don't have the virtue of love and tolerance. But you see, what I want to say even to the father who says today, Pastor, come on now. Pastor, I work so much. I've got so many things going on in my life. I I can't go to church all the time. You know, i got to be with my kids on Sunday. Pastor, are you telling me that God is going to say to me on judgment day, I'm a bad father? Yep, he's going to say that exactly to you. Oh, I don't like your Jesus, Pastor. I like Joel Osteen's Jesus. I like Oprah Winfrey's Jesus. They're so much better. Here's the thing I would say. Here's what the real Jesus is going to say to you, Father. Sir. Did you give yourself life? No. Where did your life come from? Came from Jesus. Came from you. Yeah, that's right. Life came from me, sir. Let me ask you, where did your wife's life come from? Did you make her? Was she plastic? Was she uh, an image on a screen? No. Where did your wife come from? Hello, this is the man with Jesus. Pretend now. The man will say, "Uh, came from you. And then he'll say, sir, listen. Listen. Where did procreation come from? The ability of a baby to grow inside of the womb and have life, and for you to have the honor to even call yourself a father. You see, sir, Jesus is going to look right at him. Sir, listen, all things have been created through me and for me. Sir, you will go to hell because. Not that you didn't take your children to go see nice things and have good food. You will go to hell because you made yourself an idol to your children. And you selfishly replaced me with you. That's why he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. But what does he say to the good father who does all of those things, but does it in Christ, Does the things the same? You may look at the bad father going to hell and the good father going to heaven, and their life may look generally the same, right? Like, you know, my next-door neighbor who doesn't want to go to church, he's not eating his children today. He's not torturing them. I mean, I, we're doing the same things. I take care of my children. He takes care of them. So what's going to be the difference? The difference is I bowed my knee to Jesus, proclaimed to him, Lord, brought my children with me. And said, praise God from whom all blessings flow. I taught them all blessings come from Jesus, children, even your father. See, that's the difference. One made him Lord of all. One said, you're not Lord at all. Does everybody get the difference? So today, don't make it up in your mind that God is going to somehow honor our virtues No, God is not going to honor fathers putting themselves before God. God is not going to honor a perverse generation making crooked paths for sexuality. God is not going to honor corruption in any way. All things are for him, and we should honor him. Can I get an amen? Now here are the scriptures for that. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. This is before he ever had the name Jesus. He was known as the Logos and the Son of God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Why is light shining in my heart today? Because Jesus is in my heart today. The darkness has to flee. Have you experienced? experience the light of Christ. You see, that's where victory comes from. Victory in Jesus. See, victory comes from Jesus. Light in your soul comes from Jesus. Philippians 2 5 says he didn't just stay in heaven. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset or the attitude as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God. What was he in the being in? Very nature God. What being was he in? Very nature God. One more time Sunday school. What being was he in? Very nature God. Listen, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. (laughs) You all like that? I'll shoot fire from my hands until you repent. He didn't come down like I said, like Pokemon. No. He didn't do it to his own advantage, but Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, not eagle likeness, not dog likeness, in human likeness. Why? Because we were made in his likeness in the beginning, and we gave our authority to the devil, and when he came to defeat the devil, he would do it as a man. He's called in the Bible the second Adam. The first Adam messed it all up. He comes as the second Adam. Only two men were born perfect, Adam in the beginning and Jesus Christ and as a virgin. All the rest of us can be born again perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. Then what does he do? Philippians 2 continues at the cross. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So how do I have victory? Because of Jesus' death on the cross. When I am fighting my temptation, when I am fighting the devil, when I'm doing any good work for Jesus Christ, I am doing it because of what he did on the cross. I am literally standing at the foot of the cross at my place of victory. When will I lose my battles in temptation? When will someone lose the battle of their mind? When will they lose the battle for their family and their marriage and their purity and their sexuality and their purpose and find confusion, death, hell, and destruction when they move from the cross, when they move from the victory of Jesus, when they stand on their own, and then they will suffer. But as long as we're clinging to the old rugged cross, we have victory, amen? Here's the reason of the resurrection. Therefore, God exalted him at the resurrection, exalted him to the highest place, and gave him that name that's above every name. Remember, he was only known as the Son in heaven for eternity past, and the Word, the Logos. But now, the name of Jesus, Yahshua, Yahweh saves, that he was given at his birth, now that name, the God man, is made the most powerful name, and every knee bows to him in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So guess what? When you are fighting the devil, you're standing in the, victorious, uh, the victory of Jesus, telling the devil, get down and bow now. Jesus says so. Get out of my life addiction. Jesus says so. Get out of my life, uh, homosexuality. Jesus said so. Get out of my life, anger and unforgiveness. Jesus says so. Everything must bow to Jesus, including our attitudes, our sins, and the devil. Is there anything left to fight then? If the devil has to bow to Jesus and your flesh has to bow to Jesus, is there any other battle you must wage? You may say against someone else, well, they're going to bow to Jesus too. Bible says, let vengeance be his. Vengeance belongs to me, says the Lord. So we love our enemies and we pray for their repentance or on judgment day, they'll be held to pay, literally, right? Now, we know ourselves truthfully. And I'll be saying this in closing now. You see, without Christ, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles, black and white, uh, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Americans, Chinese, right, are all alike under the power of sin. Think about that. Everybody with Christ is under the power of what? Sin. So if right now the Pope hasn't been born again, what is he under the power of? Sin. If, if your grandmother hasn't been born again, what is she under the power of? Sin. Until my children are born again, what are they under the power of? Sin. All of us are under the power of sin. Why? How can we prove that to be true? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I've already seen my children sin. Now does God have mercy upon unrepentant children and unrepentant mentally ill people? I believe he does. There's a, there's a place for that in the Bible. But for all of us who have a conscience, who know our right from wrong now, and we're under the power of sin, will there be any excuse for us not repenting? See, think about that. Imagine you're in a dark room, and all of these things that are in your life are now like, these temptations are now like booby traps, right? So you're in a dark room, and smoking cigarettes is like shards of glass. And pornography is like a pit, right? And you're in a dark room, and you can't see it and you don't know what's going on, and you fall down into that pit of pornography, you can't get out. Or you're walking over that shard of glass, and it tears open your feet. Or bitterness is like a quicksand, and you're, you're in the quicksand, and the more you fight, the more you sink, right? Now imagine this. Someone offers you the light and salvation. Someone offers you the light so you can now see what room you're in, what things you're facing, and then rescue you from these things. Who of us here in a right mind would say, turn back off the lights and let me continue to suffer like this? But you see, that is what the fool does. That is what the non-believer does. That is why there is the punishment. So our spiritual battle really then is not against the devil anymore because we chose to resist God, and now God is resisting us. The Bible says he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. How many have heard that scripture before? Amen. And you see, this is what Christ is telling us. You're all under the power of sin. You don't know what makes you stumble. You are hooked on things. You don't, you, some of us didn't even choose it this way. For example, I, I never chose to be an angry, out-of-control person. I just remember growing into that as a young person, out of my own temperament, out of my own nature. But the Bible says I can't use that as an excuse to be angry and be violent with people. I have to choose to let Jesus turn on the light and set me free. Can I hear an amen? And these are the scriptures that we hear all throughout the Bible. That Without Christ. Look at what Ephesians 2 says. You can see me going through the passage. In relation to sin. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. See, there's the illustration of us being dead without Christ. In relation to the devil. Look at what it says in the next verse. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air. The kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So who's the Pied Piper of the sinner? The devil. Now, no one can say the devil made me do it because there's a high treaty of heaven like the Geneva Code that says no one, God nor devil, can make a man go against his will. So Jesus can't make Judas do what he does, and nor can the devil. Judas must choose who he's going to be like. And so you can never say the devil made me do it, but you certainly would be right to say the devil has worked on me, and he's been working overtime on a lot of people. Hello. But he doesn't pay good, does he? The devil works on us, and there's no good reward. There's only death, hell, and destruction. What is our relationship to others? Because some of us, like I said, we, we we think we have noble aspirations and that sinners like Oprah Winfrey or whoever you want to put out there, like uh, Joel Osteen or just people who don't teach the truth of the gospel who want to make you think that even as a sinner you can do great things. Look what Ephesians says. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So even when we find We were doing good for each other. It was really our own selfishness. Even our own selfishness because it wasn't for God. It was for our own glory. Even Braveheart at the end, he's dying. If he didn't die for God, he only died for his people. Then him dying for his people is is an atrocity against God. Why? Because his people are no different than the other people. Even war heroes will go to hell because all they're doing is dying for a people. And Jesus created all people. You must die for Christ and then for the people that he told you to die for. Do you all get the difference? Because in God's mind, all humanity has fallen. Though it may be a just cause at that moment, that just cause will not purchase them eternal heaven uh, rewards. So war heroes don't get to go to heaven just because they died for good a good cause. They themselves have to have adopted the principle that what I die for is Christ and his glory. And the effects of that could be for people, could be for a, a, a freedom, and so on and so forth. And then what was our relationship to God without Christ? This is where you got to be honest, like the rest, we were by nature, everybody say naughty by nature, (laughs) by nature deserving of wrath. See, can you be honest with yourself that without Christ, my nature is deserving of wrath? See, I can. That's why when I go to Boys Town, and you guys hear me preach here, we have a lot of people, not a lot, but some that have come from this lifestyle. You may think, well, that doesn't work there. It works wonderfully there. When I talk to the people of Boys Town and the friends that I make out there, I tell them the same thing I'm telling you. I'm naughty by nature, and Christ has changed my nature. What's your excuse? Are you going to take your nature to God and make an excuse for it? You better not, because your nature is deserving of wrath. Your very nature. Well, I'm going to self-improve. I'm going to self-change. You're just going to make yourself a mess. We're self-made mess. We think because we see 70 years. Let, let me just, just mess with Oprah a little bit longer. One day maybe I'll meet her and preach to her, amen, do what these other uh, yellow belly preachers can't do when they get on her show and they like to tap dance for her and sell more books to her, her audience. But I would really like to look her in the eyes and just love on her. Can I love on Oprah just for a little bit? Can I do that? I would say, Oprah! I would say, "Oprah, don't you know you're naughty by nature?" Right on her show. Just picture, her, right? Right on. "Don't you know, Oprah, you're naughty by nature?" She might laugh at first. And I'll be I'll say, "No, you're really a child of wrath." But here's the good news, Oprah. I was a child of wrath too, naughty by nature. And guess what? Jesus changed me. Do you want to be changed? You see, that's the message of salvation. Now if she says, well, you know what? I have a way of changing myself. I meditate. I do all of these wonderful things. I would say, no, nope, that's not how you become under, away from the power of sin. That's not how you get free from the wrath you deserve. Your meditating, Oprah, does not take away your personal sin and disobedience to God. So the only way you get free is by confessing Jesus is Lord, knowing who he is. And admitting who you are. Can you do that? Well, I can't admit I'm a sinner because I think I'm a God. I think I'm spiritual on the inside. And the deeper I find myself to get to my true self, just dig, 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 dig down deep in there. I'm going to find a beautiful rose of a person. No, Oprah. You need to become familiar with Trent Reznor and the Nine Inch Nails back that I used to grow up with. Listening to, you know, some some of this uh, industrial rock. You need to understand, you're just going further down the spiral. The more you dig into yourself, the more you will find that God will judge. Well, no, all I see is light. All I see is, ha- all you see is self-deception in the lie of the enemy telling you, you're right, you're okay. You see, because Christ will show you who you really are. It's like the matrix. We are seen for who we really are only when we look at ourselves in the reflection of Christ. When you go back to the Hebrew uh, sacrificial system, they had to sacrifice an animal and then clean themselves at what was called a brazen a laver, a place that was made out of brass. It was a reflecting glass that they could see themselves in as an as, as a, as a ancient way of trying to do a mirror, and you would be able to clean the blood from off of yourself and the guts of the animal you just slaughtered. Literally, the Old Testament uh, uh, sacrificial system was like a slaughterhouse. And these priests had to wash themselves, looking at the mess on their face before they could continue on into the other parts of the temple. And you know what Jesus is? Jesus says, look into the word and see the reflection of who you are by seeing who I am. And see, now I don't compare myself to Hitler. Now I compare myself to Jesus. And then like Isaiah, I fall down and I I don't just go, woe is everybody else. I go, woe is me. I am found in need now. And that's what I would say, Oprah, grab me by the hand. Let's go to our knees because he'll never refuse us if we come humbly before him. Can I hear an amen? Now in closing, here we go. It's Christ in us. The repentant sinner can know the mystery of God, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27, to whom God was pleased to make known the great, uh, how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within you and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. So here's where we end the message, basically where we began. This is where we have to be. We need to be in Christ. Where am I going to find my victory? In Jesus. And that's my hope of glory. So when I am tested and I look at my flesh and I go, yeah, this is going to die. I'm pretty glad it is going to die because it sure tempts me a lot. But then I look within and I see Christ. If you look at your flesh, you're going to be depressed. If you look at others, you're going to be distressed. If you look at Christ, your soul will be at rest. You look at yourself and try to fix yourself; you'll be depressed. Once again, you look at this world and say, "You fix me. You fix me. Mom, fix me. Dad, fix me. Wife, fix me. Brother, fix me. Education, fix me. Government, fix me." You'll be distressed. It will never work. You look to Christ; your soul will be at rest. You'll hear Him saying things to you like this: "Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and find rest for your soul. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. I am gentle and humble in heart." You know, you'll hear Christ saying those words of comfort to you, calling you and bidding you to come. Has any of you ever heard God's voice in your heart? Here are the types of things that Christ will speak to you. For Christ's love compels us. This is why I'm here, because I love you. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Joe, what happened to you? I died November 5, 1995, became one with Christ on the cross. That's what happened to me. I am dead. Now I live in Christ. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So can anybody come now and say, the devil made me do it? No, because you were supposed to crucify your flesh with the, with, with the cross and now live for Jesus. Can anybody say, I don't have the power to fight the devil in temptation? No, because all the power of heaven and earth has been given to you for Christ. The life of God is literally beating within your veins right now. The Bible then goes on to say, We're new creations. Therefore, you've heard it before. If anyone is in Christ, in Christ, listen to that terminology, in Him, literally unified with Him, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Where is your old self? According to this, where is it? Dead and what? Dead and gone. How true is that today for you? I can't force you to believe that. See, you and I, we could be doing the same thing today, cheering. Okay, just think of this example real quick. Imagine a man, he's a a great orator, and he's come to give a speech before a large audience, and uh, he's going to tell some stories, you know, kind of back in the day before they had movies, they would do soliloquies, one-man shows, and all of that. Now imagine the building, one of the wings, it catches on fire. And they say to the the man, they say, listen, if we tell everybody the building's on fire, they're going to stamp out of here and kill each other in a stampede. We need you to get up and tell everybody the building's on fire, that that they're going to die. So imagine the great orator, he comes out there to the stage, and he goes, guys, the building's on fire. Be calm, be safe, leave in an orderly fashion, and no one will die. Now imagine if the people started applauding, going, that's so wonderful. This is the beginning of a great story you're going to tell us. And he hears the applause, and he goes, no, 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 I'm being serious. Listen to me. There is a fire in the west wing. It's coming this way. Orderly, go now, and we'll all be safe. Then some of them start to stand to their feet going, oh, wonderful, bravo, excellent acting, excellent Now imagine with tears coming down his eyes. He's pleading with the people, please, I beg you, please, I beg you. I am not acting. I am telling you the truth. Please leave this theater now. This place is on fire. And then he exits the stage, and people just stand to their feet going, what in the most compelling things we've ever heard. So compelling. And the building burns, right? Isn't that what church is like for some people? I'm pleading with you. I am pleading with you. Live for Christ. Have Christ within you. And you're just applauding me. As if it's something that I'm doing for a show. And yet I'm telling you, your entirety, your, your eternity is at stake. Your life is at stake. You and I may look the same right now, but I am going to heaven to be glorified with the angels. Are you coming with me? I hope that you can say to your family, listen, your friends may teach you this, but I am teaching you that. Don't be deceived by what you see. Life is going to end one day. The veil will be turned back. All will be rectified and set straight that day. Get right with God. And you could just stand up and applaud. My children could applaud, but if they don't do it, they're going to lose it. And I'm here today to tell you, there is a new creation. The new creation has come. It is in Christ, and those of us who have tasted of it know that it's real. Can I hear an amen from anybody here that's tasted it? 2 Corinthians 5.21 in closing, third closing here. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. Where was the battle fought? With Christ on the cross. Eloh Eloi, lama sabakini, Christ crying out, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He is there being made sin for us. He's becoming the scapegoat of the Jewish religion. All that he knew was now being taken from him. The skies turning black at 3 in the afternoon, and he is now going to become the curse upon a tree for us. That is what Jesus did. So that you in him might become the righteousness of God. As much as you were a sinner, not righteous without Christ, it's as much as you are righteous without sin in Jesus. I'm going to say it again. As much as you didn't have righteousness when you were a sinner, you couldn't have none. Read Romans 3 again. There is none righteous, not even one. Is now as as much righteousness as you have and no sin. See, before you were all sin, no righteousness. Now in Christ you're all righteousness, no sin. Isn't that what it says? God made him sin. God, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the what? The righteousness of God. So are you the righteousness of God today? Yes or no? By your faith, let it be according to you now. Well, I'm just a sinner. Well, then that's what you'll be. Well, I can't do nothing right. You'll get just what you asked for. Well, I don't believe God did that for me. You'll have just what you said. But if you can say today, I believe Christ is who he said he is, I believe I am who Christ said I am without him, and I also believe I am who God said I am with him, your life changes instantly. That's the transformation of rebirth. That's what the Bible is written about. That is every spiritual battle you'll ever face. Do I believe who God said he is? Do I believe I am who he said I am when I don't have him, and that I am who he said I am when I have him? Because that's what transforms our world. The righteousness of God is what transformed me. If you come to me with any sin now, any temptation, any test, and you go, I can't live free, pastor. You know what you're saying to me? The cross of Christ is not strong enough. Jesus failed. If a person comes to me and says, pastor, I've been addicted to heroin and Jesus has not set me free. He is saying the cross of Christ cannot defeat heroin. If someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I was abused. I was molested. The pain in my heart is real, and it hasn't gone away yet, Pastor. I've asked Jesus to do it. I would say, you're lying. Because any who come and ask to be healed, he heals the brokenhearted. You're still in pain. It's because you're still in unbelief. You say, Pastor, that hurts me. I would rather offend you and you get set free than you walk out of here in that broken cycle of defeat and the broken record of your pain and stop and, and, and continuing to think you're a Christian. I would rather an open rebuke than hidden love today. Where does the brokenness get healed? We had a missionary who, was a, who spoke to us. He was a missionary in India and was raped. And with tears coming down her eyes, testifying, she said, I am healed. That's not a lie, my She met the healer. See, anything you say you can't do that Jesus said you can do, you're making him out to be a liar, and you're saying, devil, you can have it. Devil, you can have my emotions. Devil, you can have my peace. Devil, you can have my joy. You can have my faith. You can have my future. You can, you're giving the victory up. But if you learn this right here, when we come back next week, we talk about the armor of God. We talk about interceding for our friends and family. We talk about standing in holiness. All of us will know we do it from victory. And that's how we go from glory to glory. How many want to see that in the Bible? How many want to see that in the Bible? How about 126 times? Do you want to see it 126 times? 120 times rather. Because you might say, well, Pastor, I just think you're just taking the Bible out of context. Here's 120 verses that says who you are in Christ. I am God's child, born again. I am Jesus's, I have received Jesus's atoning sacrifice. I am purified, cleansed from all sin. I am born again into a new life. I am born of God. I have eternal life. I am accepted in Christ. You see, everything I was not, now I am because of him. I was the big I am not, but now I am with him and I am because he said I am. I am set free I have received Christ's character I am I am living in God's love I have no fear of punishment I have no darkness I have a sound mind I love like Jesus I have the fruit of the spirit I am called of God I am called of God by my name I am engraved in the palms of God I am precious to God honored by him I am created by God in the womb I am formed and set apart by God that's number 21 let me just keep going I am called to be God I am called in God by righteousness I am created Created for his glory. I am forgiven. I am delivered from darkness. I am a new creature. I have God's unfailing love. I am loved. I have a purpose for living. I will never be forsaken. I am comforted. I have a father. I am not an orphan. I am adopted by God. I am filled with the Holy Spirit in unity. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me because I'm God's temple. I am washed, sanctified, justified. I am an overcomer. I am transformed. I am transformed that's number 40 I am not afraid. I am redeemed from the curse. I am strong in the Lord. I am holy without blame before Him. I am blessed. I am a saint. I am qualified to share in His inheritance. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am victorious. I am dead to sin. I am elect. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am established to the end. I am circumcised by Christ. I am crucified with Christ. I am alive with Christ. I am raised up in Christ. I am His faithful follower. I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am called of God. I am brought near by the blood of Christ. I am more than conquer. I am in Christ Jesus waiting for the second coming. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am beloved and chosen by God. I am the first fruits among his creation. I am born of God. Satan can't touch me. I am a king and a priest unto God. I am chosen. I am perfect. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am reconciled to God. I am forgiven and healed, healed by the wounds of Jesus. I am in the world as Jesus is in heaven. I am a fellow citizen with the saints. I am sealed with the spirit. I am complete in Christ. That's number 80. Why am I doing this? Because some of you still don't believe it yet. You still think you're going to arm wrestle with the devil and get somewhere. Some of you still believe that this is not true and that this is somehow make-believe. I am telling you, he is either the Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. The God who called the existence into universe out of nothing is the God who looked in you as nothing and gave you everything. He's the one that saw you as darkness and made you light. He is the one that saw you as a child of Satan under the power of sin, being led along by the spirit of this age and has given you all of these things. This is what I am fighting for, or rather, this is what I'm fighting from when I fight my battles. I will not let the devil tell me anything other than this. I will believe what Christ said. Amen? I am free from condemnation. I am the righteousness of God. I am firmly rooted. I have joy. I have peace beyond understanding. I think in new ways. I am a disciple of Christ. I am built on the foundation. I am a partner, partaker of His divine nature. I am God's workmanship. I am being changed into His image. I am one with Christ. I have all my needs met in Christ. I have the mind of Christ, the gifts of the Spirit. I have a guaranteed inheritance. I have abundant life. I have overcome the world. I have power to control my thoughts. I have access to the Father. I have received the power of the Spirit. I can do all all things through Christ. I shall do greater works than even Jesus. I work, And that's a whole other scripture about the miracles that we can do greater than him in number. I walk in Christ Jesus. I possess the great one. I am pressing towards the goal. I forget the past and go forward. I've received the power. I live by the law, the law of the Holy Spirit. I know God's voice. I show forth his praise. I always triumph in Christ. I have the fullness of God in Christ. Christ is in me the hope of glory. I am a witness for Christ. I am unconditionally loved. I am the apple of my father's eye. I am being holy, I am holy, I am an image bearer of God, and I am to rule with Christ in heaven and upon the earth. Amen? That's all glory to God. Now you may say, what's the difference between that and what Joel Osteen says? The difference is, is I showed you who you were without Christ before that. Because to simply tell you that is some pep talk is not enough. You must know you are not that, but Christ gives you that by his grace. That is the difference, my friends. You don't deserve that but he gives that. Now, let us all keep each other accountable as we leave out of here to how well we live by that. If you don't see me in the mind of Christ, hold me accountable, Carol, because I want the mind of Christ in all I do. If you ever have, uh, have me over at your house and you see me slip up and cuss, please rebuke me. I don't want to have a filthy potty mouth. If any of you ladies hear about me doing something inappropriate with a lady that's not my wife, then you rebuke me and find another church. Are you listening to me? I want you to hold me accountable to the righteousness of God because that's who I've been made to be. When you believe God is who he says he is, you will believe you are who God said you are, and then you will do what God said you can do. That's it. You all want to do it? Let's stand up and give Jesus a hand Come on. It's all about Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus. Let's just pray. Father, uh, altar workers, would you come, please, band? Father, we thank you today for the cross. There was a lot of information that we were given today. But we can think of nothing greater to focus on now in closing than the cross. So right now with every head bowed and eyes closed or just in an attitude of prayer, however you would do that, would you think about what Jesus did for you? You know, taking your sin, becoming sin for you. I'm going to have a song play. Just, Would you all just think about that right now? When Jesus went to the cross for you, what did he take for you? What did Jesus do for you there? What changed that day in your life when Jesus went to the cross? Why is it today we can think of the cross in the present tense? It's because there's still people today that need to trust it as if it was the first time. For some of you today, the cross will become as real as the day it happened. Because you will realize that that cross took everything that you are fighting today. Everything that you hold dear, everything that you think is what's going to keep you defeated, is what the cross was there for. I want you to think about that. Come on for a few moments. Pain, sorrow, sin, sickness cross took it. How many of us have looked at ourselves in the mirror saying, I wish I just had a second chance to do this over again. And the cross says, here it is. How many of us have read the Bible, heard the stories of miracles and said, only if God was alive, uh, Jesus was here today, only if I was alive back then, then I would have believed. But you see, we forget He is alive today. The power of the cross is real the power of the cross is alive in jesus because jesus raised from the dead turn it down just a little bit get the words ready please because we're going to sing it together but i want us to pray first before we dismiss and singing but come on be honest i can't say it to you enough guys I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart i've counseled broken marriages and they'll sit and amen me all day long but yet they're not doing it listen to me don't leave out of here unless you're free Don't leave out of here unless you're in victory. Do not play religion. I pastor this church for that very purpose, so that I can preach it as I need to preach it, so you can feel the the time to stay. That's why we don't have our second service at at 11 o'clock. Some of my friends, they have a 9 o'clock service, 10, 15 service. You know why? Because I wanted them to be able to pray. People say that these altars for about a half hour after first service, weeping, calling out to God, because they want the victory. They're tired of 10 steps to nowhere, 12 steps to more bondage. They want victory, and that's what Christ is offering you. A few more moments right now. Just ponder it right now. What did Christ go to that cross for? Now, number two, as you're pondering that, what am I holding on to that Jesus died to take? What am I holding on to that Jesus died to take? You see, that's what I say to our same-sex friends. I, I go, do you believe Jesus died for homosexuality? And many of them will go, yeah, yeah, you know, Pastor, I've read the Bible. I'm pretty sure that God's not for this behavior. But it's so hard. It's, I'm so tempted. It feels like it's who I am. You know, the same thing with the man looking at pornography, the woman with bitterness or whatever. But then I have to ask him, do you believe the cross, Jesus, took it? If he did, are you willing to let go of it now? Think about that. Am I willing to let go of what Jesus died on the cross for? And then thirdly, if, I'm going to just pose it as an if for some of you that are new to this, if what we said today is true, are you willing to live a new life? Just imagine, just use your imagination, if it was true that I didn't have to smoke again from this day forward, just if I believed and it was true, I didn't have to have sex outside of marriage again, or I didn't have to live in bitterness, or that same same pain. If it was true, I'm asking you, are you willing? You know why? Because Jerry will tell you, and my wife will tell you, that there are a lot of people who don't want to be free, and that's why Jesus would walk around to sick people and be like, what do you want? Well, isn't it obvious, Jesus, the dude can't see? No, because Jesus was smarter than that. Jesus would understand that people's hearts can sometimes like their own pain, their own misery. So you'd say, what do you want? You say it. What do you want? Well, I want to see. Well, I want to walk. Okay, let's go then. And so I believe Jesus is asking you for a mustard seed of faith. If this was true, would you be able to say, yeah, really, I I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to live with that pain anymore. Yeah, if it was true, I would do it because now I want to press you with this. Can you believe it to be true? Because there's no if about it, my friends. There's too many testimonies upon this earth, in this church, around this world, of people who have legitimately been transformed in a moment in God's presence. There's just far too many to discount it being true. It is not a coincidence. It's not a bunch of us doing our own self-help. Jesus changed us. Jesus changed his marriages. Jesus changes addictions and sets people free. Jesus, Jesus saves fully and totally. 30 more seconds, self-reflection, contemplation right now. Are you willing to be free? Let's go. Come on, some of you, let's, let's get ready because we're going to sing a song in just a minute and pray for you if you want it. If not, you can pray where you're at. But I want to know, is there anybody serious they wanting to be free? Turn on the lights, Jesus. Show me this wicked world for what it is. I'm ready to live holy, God. Because, friends, that's a spiritual battle. Until you've decided that in your heart, there is no point you trying to put on spiritual armor and intercede for the city and fight against this corruption and all the other stuff if you haven't got your heart free. Only healed people can heal others. Hurt people hurt people. You can't set people free if you're in bondage, my friend. You got to get free to unlock that person's door in your life. Now, would you look up at me, please? We're going to close out today because I don't want any manipulation. I know I've gone a little little long, but here's how we're going to close out. Can you put the words of that song up there, please? We're going to sing one of my favorite songs. I've taught it to our children. And let me just sing it for you first because I don't want you to to, to miss the words of this because it's so important. I taught it to my children, and I'm just like the worst singer ever, and I don't even care. But listen, it is so funny when I sing it to my children. And they sing it with me. We sung it on the way to church today. They love the song. Ask them if you see them in the back. Maybe they'll be a little shy, but they'll sing it. But it's so funny to watch them sing it because the words are about a sinner coming to Christ and forsaking all. And I'm like listening to like my little three-year-old Lucas. He shouted it out so loud today in the van. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so precious. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know how much they understand of it, but they're singing it out. And you know what I feel God says to us? He says, you may not even understand it all, but I love it when you pray and believe. I love it when you pray and believe. Now listen to this. All I once held dear built my life upon all this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I have counted. Lost, spent, and worthless now compared to this. Could you see how that would make me laugh with my kids? They're like, all I once thought gain," And I'm just like laughing. But you know what? I don't think a lot of us understand it either. But God will take us where we're at. Can you hold up your little life to God? Whatever you hold precious and say, God, here, it's all I once held dear, but I give it to you. If you can do that, kick back a little bit, sing some songs. Let us pray for you. Otherwise, be blessed and enjoy your Valentine's Day because I know I am. Amen. Would you pray for us before we go? And You guys are going to keep. Oh,
4: God, thank you, God, for the cross, God. Thank you for dying for us in that cross so we wouldn't be living in bondage anymore, God. God, I thank you for the victory that the cross has made for us, oh, God. God, just pray for every person here, God, to believe in in the cross, God, to believe in what you did for us, oh, God. I just thank you for every person here, God. God, I bind all the lies of the animals has tried to throw at each, or, at each and every person here, God, and I come against that right now in the name of Jesus, oh, God. God, thank you because you are worthy because we are worthy as well, God, or else you would not die for us, oh, God. So we thank you, and I pray that everybody goes home um, reflecting on this today and just makes a decision today and just surrenders themselves to you, God. And um pray that everybody goes home safe and enjoys their day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.
5: Man, rock that song, DJ. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Feel free to get prayer, and let's sing this those who want to hang out for the after party. Come on, put it up a little bit, please. And all this world reveres. need prayer for anything, come up. I'm just enjoying God's presence. Don't be in a hurry if you want to kick back. Otherwise, be safe. Listen to these words, though. Knowing you. Just a little bit louder, please, brother. I love this song. Knowing you. favorite part right here. Now my heart's heart's desire desire is to know you more to be found in you
3: and know as yours to possess my faith what I could
5: not earn. Jesus for all of us today. Your great gift of righteousness, knowing you, God, wouldn't trade it for anything today, God. To know, to know the power of your
3: risen life and to know you
5: in your suffering. Sometimes we may suffer, but that's okay because in his death, we'll get to live with him. Stars. For the top left, it will, it will minimize that screen so you can see my playlist. Go ahead and push uh, Be Thou My Vision, just for a few more of us who want to hang out. I just want to sing one more song that exemplifies who we are in Christ. Yes, and if you could find the words for that, for those who want to learn the song. You know, when we find ourselves in Christ, it is the vision of Christ that compels us, like seeing Him everywhere we go because He's in us. That's where this song, next one, comes from. Be thou my vision. Be what I see. And just turn it up a little bit, please. And those at the altar, if you're not praying for anybody, just turn and worship with me. Let us proclaim our victory today. All else to me save that thou. Thou my best thought. Thou my best thought. By day or by night day or waking night. or sleeping. Come on. Waking or sleeping breath, I want to sing this like an old bar tune. I want you to think about that. That he is your best thought by day or by night.
0: Waking by or
5: sleeping, brother. Mystery. Be thou my wisdom. Be thou Come on, I ever with thee. I I woo. Just think about that. And thou no battle you'll ever fight by yourself. Woo! Thou my great father and I thy true son. Thou in me dwelling. Thou in me dwelling. Can I tell you this next verse speaks to me so much because nothing in this world can satisfy. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Come on, saints! Oh, battle shield! For the you got the wrong lyrics. You need to put up the other one, please. Thou my dignity, thou my delight, thou my soul shelter. Thou my high tower Raise thou me heavenward O power of my power That's a good one too But when we get to this next part Riches I heed not Nor man's empty praise Think about whatever you do in life Do it as unto the Lord Riches I heed not Nor man's empty praise Woo! Thou my inheritance, thou my inheritance. oh Shaka! Thou and thou only, and thou only. First, in first in my heart. Oh, thank you, Lord,
3: High King
5: of Heaven. Come on, this last one's probably my favorite. Let's sing it out, saints. High King of Heaven, my victory won. <laughs> High King of Heaven, my victory won. May
3: I reach heaven's joy.
5: Turn it down, Jose. Before we roll out of here, those who are praying, keep praying. But those who can hear this, let us meditate on what we're singing there. Imagine going to war, going to battle, and you're saying, my victory is already won. Oh, you would have nothing to fear. You wouldn't be afraid of the enemy. And even if you died, you would still not fear because you know the victory's already been won. My friends, I want to encourage us today. Even our pastors, I want to encourage us to know that victory is in Jesus. Just keep it down because we're going to sing it a cappella. Before we go, would you just sing this out with me, all those who can. If you're praying, like I said, keep praying. But those who can, let's sing it again. High King of heaven, my victory won, may I rejoice.